in-depth conversations, matchup breakdowns, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dunlap. Segment. Go ahead. Oh, oh, I, oh. I, I, I hate. I, why did I interrupt you? I'm so... Oh no, no, you are not. You're not antsy. You're excited. Oh, you know how people say this is like an internet meme, <laughs> and I'm terrible on the internet. You know me. I just I, I click on a couple things and read them, and then I've had my fill. I, I'm not this big internet, and I'll, I'll tweet here and there, but I just disseminate things, and I'll read a couple things here and there. I'm not real internet sad. But I have seen these things, you know, people are like, take my money, take my money, yes. when it's like something cool, right? Like, it'll be some invention where it, it loads your, di- unloads your dishwasher for you, and it goes into the into the shelves for you, whatever. People are like, take my money, take my money. Well, I've got a, my own take my money moment. This happens when you're 46 years old. Wait, no, I'm 45. I'll be 46 in December. I did when this you, a week ago. I forgot yeah, how old I was. When you're Jeez, I need take my money. I need some of those pills that make you think. Um, anyway, take I, here's a take my money moment today, not in an entertainment way. A second trip for my twins, who are 11 years old. Our twins, my wife and I are twins. Um, our twins back to the orthodontist. They're getting now their bottom braces go back on. They had braces on for a long time, and then they had some sort of retainer or some nonsense some key that you twist in their mouth or whatever and now the braces go back on you go in that place that is a non-comical take my money yes I mean, it is it gets you that order the dust but you got to do it for your kids but man i thought about that today all the fun things in the world take my money you see on the internet here, I took a picture of the orthodontist office just to take my money because they're doing it. Let me that ask guy's, you a question. That guy's driving a Rolls Royce because I got 11-year-old twins that oh. need their teeth straightened out. Oh, and the hygienists, too. They oh. make all kind of money hand over fist. The picture you sent me earlier, yes. was that actually the picture of the orthodontist you go to? Yeah, it says orthodontist real big on the outside. I, I know. I wanted. I thought it was <laughs> – I thought you went and Googled orthodontist, no. generic orthodontist. You have to tweet that picture out. I don't know oh, if you yeah. did already. It's uproariously funny because it's just orthodontist. It's like if I went a couple blocks down, wanted to get myself a beverage, and I just went into bar. It was like back in the day when they used to have the, my man Rocco's barking outside. What's up, Rocco? What's you good? Hear you hear him out there? Ask him, Pickett or Trubisky? Yeah, no, he's more of a um, he's a big Lindy Ruff fan. Uh, Rocco is uh, any, anyway so uh, it, it is like the orthodontist is like those old boxes of stuff that you used to see that were just generic that were black and white and it would just say cereal or like cheese yes or like back milk back in the day beer yeah, yeah beer one light. of those um, anyway so I just had to get that in take my money orthodontist um, yeah, I had the palate expander back in the day. Yeah, they had that. That's that's what the thing was called. That's what the key. Yes. And every night you would either have to shove the key up there yourself and crank it. And what it's doing is it's breaking the roof of your mouth. Oh, and geez. it's it's doing it centimeter by centimeter to get more room in your mouth. And it's just, I mean, it's just cruel and unusual punishment. So best of luck to the Dunlap clan. Yeah. Because orthodontia, it may it helps, but yeah. it's not fun. You know what else isn't fun, or at least as fun as it used to be, Colin, I don't think, is going in the NFL games these days. You go, 
You get punched in the face by a big fat Jaguars fan. What can be done? And that's just I, the women. Um, <laughs> that woman was like, who was who was the guy who used to play on the defensive line? Stroud. It yes. looked like it looked like the female version of Stroud in the stands in Jacksonville. I'm sure everyone saw the video. I, I she did. I mean, she was she looked like Gary Nunn. I mean, she was big, but <laughs> Donald Evans, she was she was large. What what are people doing? I'll tell you, alcohol is such an easy go to in terms of the excuse, and it's part of it, but it's testosterone mixed with alcohol mixed with idiocy. I can go and I I'll have one of those things, alcohol. But I'm not largely, I mean, I have testosterone. I don't misuse it, you know, and I'm not act like an idiot anymore. I'm 45. So I never get in a jam. I think alcohol is so easy when people go to it and say, there's your problem. You take alcohol out. What about the millions of fans who go and have a beer and don't act like jerks? That's right. So uh, the problem is, I think, one, beer is far too expensive inside stadiums. So it harbors a mentality and it harbors a, sort of a, a, a cultish situation where people feel the need feel the need to tailgate and not just tailgate, but sort of reverse funnel their tailgate. They kind of start slow and then bang, right before, as close as they can to kickoff before they go in, they hammer beers back. 100%. That's number one. That's number one because it is far too expensive to drink inside. So they got to just over drink right before they walk in. That's number one. And number two, it, it, this would never happen in sports. Like part of the solution is if you could, and I know this goes against it, but the more access to alcohol that people would have, the problems would dissipate. If they would let you even take three beers in, people would not feel the need to power drink just before kickoff. Alcohol. Man, the, the, the most I've ever had to pee in my life. And it's like a, it's like a 35 way tie is every time I tailgated before a Steelers game in my early 20s and was trying to get into Heinz Field at like 12.52. And the reason why is because you're right. We all know eh, it's going to be 14 bucks for a 20-ounce beer when I get in the stadium. I've got 100 Miller Lights right here. I'm just going to put six of these to my face, and we'll see. we'll see where it goes and you ride the buzz out in the stadium, maybe I'll buy a beer to keep this thing going. I think you're 100% right. I was thinking about this a little bit today as well, and I think that the other thing that could be done that might help, not cut it all out because people are going to be idiots just with even their own team's fans, but I do think that there should be more of an effort to have a visitor section. Like if you're going to come and you're a Jacksonville fan, they do it in Europe. Now it's easier because it's easier to travel around England, right, than it is to travel around the United States, the rail systems, things of that nature. But I do think it would help. They do it in college football. You have the visitor section. If you really want to watch the Browns play in Pittsburgh, okay, there's 3,000 seats all in one spot. You gate it off. You have security. And then the other thing they do in Europe is after the game, and we don't have as much of a problem, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong about that now that I think about it. But after the game, if you have that other section, you wait until all the other fans leave. So if there's a Brown section, a Steelers section, 65,000 Steelers fans, they leave. 
They leave the stadium, then the 3,000 Brown fans leave too. I do think you could section it off, and that might help. I think you could. The only part that we're like, we never know what it's like to have a game day window pretty much here in Pittsburgh, you know, to walk up and buy a ticket. Just in my lifetime, that's not been a thing, really. But there are markets, Jacksonville, you know, the LA markets, um, you know, there are a bunch of markets, Chicago, I believe, where it's not all season tickets. Thus, the proportion of tickets given away, much like I mean, you take, um, well, take a Jacksonville game. Take a game in Arizona where the Steeler fans uh, – take Tennessee. Miami, Charlotte, where, I mean. Where, where Steeler fans take it over, then what do you do proportionally with the stadium? Do you just risk empty seats so as to divide it and say, our home people aren't going to show up. We're going to allocate 30% to the Steeler fans and 70% to our home fans. And of that 70% that's allocated, it's only filled to 70%. Yeah. You know, that's the only – the only part that's tough is the proportionate fan bases aren't proportionate. The SEC is. They're going to fill the places. Right. You know? Um, so it's a it's a great concept, but they're just – they're going to – it comes down to this. The NFL squeezing every dollar in stadium that they can out of everybody because that's all a bonus. They make so much money off the television rights. They see all of that as a bonus. And not just the NFL – but the individual franchises on beer, on things like that, on, on all that revenue that they make. They don't see this as a problem because to them it doesn't hurt the bottom line at all. What I see it as, though, is I ain't, I ain't taking my kid to a football game. It's not just a Pittsburgh problem. It's an everywhere problem. But it is a problem. And I will go with my buds. If a buddy calls, Crowley, are you doing pregame today? You want to come after the game? Uh, you want to come to the game? Go with me, drink some beer? Yeah, sure, I'll go. My kid? No, can't do it. Baseball game? Sure. Hockey game? I think we can make that happen. NFL games seem to be their own animal at this point, and I wouldn't do it. Speaking which, of I wonder which, if the yeah. next model is the Las Vegas model more so when they build more stadiums. Fewer seats at a luxury, at a luxury price point. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you price out the you keep pricing out and pricing out more and more Joe Schmo, or at least you minimize those Joe Schmo seats. I wonder if whenever all, cause there's going to be a new wave of stadiums in the next 10 years, you know, and it started with SoFi, right? If that's kind of the, the model, more luxury, more boxes, more high end, and just a few seats so we can get a cutaway shot of people acting like they're regular Joe's. Um, and that's how they're going to be built. Heinz Field holds 68 right now. The next stadium the Steelers have over under 60,000 people. Under 58 with 60-some percent of them being luxury. Yeah, I think I'm with you, and I think that's probably the way to go. Did you see the signs in Cleveland? And I've been working to verify, make sure that these are legit, and I'm being told that these signs are legit. Um, One said... And it was a Browns fan with his kid that said, F them hoes. He was holding up the sign. And then the other sign said, free Watson. And then you had a guy outside the stadium selling derogatory T-shirts. Do you think this would happen anywhere? Do you think if Deshaun Watson were a Pittsburgh Steeler, that Steelers fans, a couple of them would be acting like this? Because I, I tend to think, well, we didn't see it with Roethlisberger. We didn't. I mean... 
were we before were we before the boom of Twitter in 2010? No, I mean we were right there. So well, even if we were before the boom of Twitter, we weren't before the boom of being in crowds and seeing people with shirts that they bought in the strip district or out of the trunk of a car. And I don't remember yeah. ever seeing things like that. I don't that remember that either. Eyes. And so, and there would be sort of an underground market for that because some people would think it was cool and want to get their hands on the most vulgar, you know, ludicrous shirts that there were. Uh, it seems like a unique market, you know. Um, I, I, I'll tell you what I think it is. If it's If it's not... If it's not something that would happen everywhere, I think you can probably link it directly with desperation. I mean, the Browns haven't won anything in in this incarnation of the Browns. And the fan base bought in hook, line, and sinker into Baker Mayfield being the savior. Then Baker gets moved out. This guy gets brought in. So whatever they felt for Baker, they're then going to feel tenfold for the guy who replaces Baker, especially one a quarterback as accomplished as Deshaun. And so in your sick, twisted, warped reality, you'll do everything you can to mental gymnastics your way around this guy being the jackass, horrific devil that he is. And I think that's probably what's happening in Cleveland. The weird part about it, too, is he's not even proven that to be that. This is all built on a hope that he can be good. It's not like it was a quarterback that had success for three years in their place or five years in their place. And then they're saying, well, we got to stick with this guy. Cause you know, he's definitely, he's already led us to some promise. It, he's not led them to any promise. That's the people are tying in Cleveland, tying their wagons to this guy. And he hasn't even played one game for them. That's yeah. the weird part. It's, me. it's sick because Steelers fans are excited about Kenny Pickett. And I think some, and we're probably in that minority, are excited about seeing what Mitch Trubisky can do. But while you've got Kenny Pickett jerseys, yeah, there was the booing of Mason Rudolph. Nobody's deifying either of these guys. Because we've seen the Steelers not have a losing season since 2003. Um, There's a desperation quotient there in Cleveland. I don't think there's a doubt about it. Colin? When we return, Uh other things besides the quarterback happened in the preseason game. We will break them down. Let's go. We will. Next. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Fourth down in the Steel City, episode 10. The Steelers have defeated the Jacksonville Jags by one point in the preseason. Mike Tomlin, however, not happy with the efforts. Eh, it doesn't matter who wins a preseason game. What does matter? The quarterbacks. Or maybe it doesn't matter. And that's what we're going to start with. Colin. If the offensive line sucks as bad as it did on Saturday evening, does it matter who plays quarterback? Um, n- no, I guess in a way it doesn't matter because they're going to be so bad they're going to be running for their lives. But I do think we've we've talked too much about who's going to play quarterback in in so much as this. We've tried to figure out nuanced ways. The offensive line is one of those ways, like who might get killed the least as if killing has degrees of it. Um, but, like, who might get killed the least 
or who's more uh, reticent to, or not reticent, who's more apt to survive the longest, or what does it do for someone's career playing behind a bad offensive line, longevity-wise, or even for just, we, we've tried to find all these different, you know, travails and different sort of roads to go down when it's really just simple to me. And it's right down the middle. And this does infuse the offensive line. The question that the that they look at internally is who gives us the best chance to win this game? Mm-hmm. And for me, we as fans and some media go down all these different side roads. I don't think the Steelers ever veer from that main highway. Who gives us the chance to win? Uh, and that's it. The best chance to win. They don't veer from that from an organizational standpoint. Um, when they're game planning for what they're going to do, or that's probably a poor phrase, when they're planning for what they want to do in an offseason, I don't necessarily think that they all that often look at the forest through the trees. I mean, I'm, I, I'm with you. It's all about winning. It's why they'll never tank. Because they just don't believe in that. Now, if it were me, if I were Mike Tomlin, if I were Omar Khan, I think Kenny Pickett is ready to be the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I can't explain it. He's just got it. He just does. He's got the he's got that clutch gene, as they say. But if it were me, I think you can thwart a quarterback's development by playing him behind a horrendous offensive line when he's still getting his feet wet. Now, even though I feel like Kenny Pickett is ready to be a starter right now, and I do, I'll also agree with you, Colin, that I do think Mitch Trubisky does give them the best chance to win. Because if one guy is more apt to get it done behind a bad offensive line, it's going to be a guy who stood back there and read NFL defenses before and a big, strong guy like Mitch Trubisky who can take that pounding. And we saw it in preseason game number two. He shrugged off a couple of sacks, missed a big play down the field to Deontay Johnson, but a play that never would have even been a consideration of being made if he didn't shrug off a tackler. So I think it's, I think there's some truth in both things. They don't look at it. Kenny Pickett can't play because this is such a bad offensive line. They don't look at it that way. I do. But I also do think that Mitch Trubisky does give them the best chance to win. And I think it's probably hard to argue otherwise. Let me ask you something in that vein and to kind of spin off of one of your answers there. Uh, if if you are in this camp, and I'm not in this camp with any of this, but if you are, and you hinted that you are a little bit in mm-hmm. terms of responsibility as it involves Kenny Pickett's development down the road and the responsibility therein, thus who you have play around him, right? Like the offensive line being so bad. and Are the Steelers, if you do that, do you eliminate the Steelers then their responsibility for Mitch Trubisky's development? Like, are we just hmm. saying that essentially he's just a mercenary and a hired gun for two years? And you are you and I, I'm not trying to put you on a spot here, but I'm trying to understand this logic. Are people then saying the Steelers don't have any on the horizon? There's no room for development for Mitch Trubisky. He's simply a seat warmer or a placeholder. Well, I do think because I think he could grow into, I think he could grow from here and become more than what he's shown. Oh, I don't think you're wrong. And you and I, you and I've been in agreement on being on the Mitch Trubisky train for a while here. I think you and I are higher on him than a lot of the other media members in this town. 
I do think, though, given what they've given up for Mitch Trubisky, the money that they're paying him, which is backup money, versus a first-round pick for Kenny Pickett, I do think that while you are looking for your franchise quarterback, ultimately that's the most important thing, I do think that the development of Kenny Pickett, because of what they've invested, means more to them than the development of Mitch Trubisky based on what they've invested in him. And, and I goes, that. That, Oh, continue. I'm sorry. No, that's it. That goes back into best guy, though, for me. Best chance of winning. I don't think that one's development sidetracks another or trumps another in so much as they want to be responsible for the development of the guy that gives them the best opportunity to win. And, you know, I say that, but then they haven't benched Devin Bush really all that much. <laughs> Uh, but there have been instances where, you know, they just kind of done with Jarvis Jones or like at some point there's a dropping off point that you give a guy a chance, you give a guy a chance. And look, Kenny Pickett's just in the infancy of his career, but it does boil down to who gives us the best chance to win. No, and you're just, right. You are right about that. I mean, they're not viewing it my way. I, I absolutely admit that they are not viewing it my way. I don't think, I mean, when you, when you spend money, for Mitch Trubisky versus a first round pick, I think it should factor in. But from a day to day operation standpoint, Mike Tomlin's all about winning that game. He's he's about winning the next game, and Mitch Trubisky gives them, in their opinion, I think, the best chance to win that next game. So that's how they view it. I mean, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Is this? Let me ask you this, because I think this is a very good topic. Is this season? the most what's the best way to phrase this the the season in which is this the most week-to-week season that you can remember going into the season all right let's see what works this week and then you could totally rip up the script and go with something the next week i.e quarterback i.e uh, uh, offensive lineman uh to, from a personnel standpoint do you think this is one in which you can see wide swathing positional changes more than you've ever seen yeah, I think so. I mean, we even to take it to the wide receiver, we saw Chase Claypool, that long pass he caught, he started that route in the slot. And we know he can play on the outside. He can play on the inside, depending on who the opposition is in the corners and the length and all that. Yeah, I mean, that is, I think you're malleable from an offensive game plan standpoint. Some games you're going to run the ball. Some games you're not. Some games you're going to have a small guy in the slot. Some games you're not. Uh, I mean, think about the the options they could have in a slot with Calvin Austin the third versus Chase Claypool. The offensive line, that should not be set in stone at all, given the way that they played these first couple of games. You could see Kendrick Green start for a game. You could see Kendrick Green not start the next week. You could see Chooksakor for maybe move to left tackle if things get so bad for Dan Moore Jr., who played three quarters on Saturday and was god-awful. So, yeah, I am with you on that with one exception. Right. The quarterback position. I really think – if Mitch Trubisky is the guy, and I believe him to be the guy, they're going to give him a long leash. I just think Mike Tomlin is not going to play that game with his team. I don't think he's going to be able to look at his guys in the eye and say, well, we stunk for these first three games. Now we're going to Kenny Pickett after staring in their eyes before the season, telling his team Mitch Trubisky gives them the best chance to win. All right, so it, I, used to be, it used to be um, bracketed off 
like in quarters, 4, 8, 12, mm-hmm. 16, the season. But now it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's more kind of in, in – there's no – it's nothing's divisible, you know, by 17. It's like bye week. It's all yeah. about the bye now, right. I think. But let's go with um, – let's go with after six games, okay? So that that's, you know, about a third, about a third of the season there. Let me throw some numbers at you. I think this is a good exercise. It's a good exercise for people listening to this podcast and a good exercise for fans to do to, to one another. Let's say Trubisky's the starter through six games. I want to ask you what to do with the seventh game. Okay? Mm-hmm. Six and oh. No-brainer, right? Yes. You stick with them? Yes. Five and one? Yep. Four and two? Yep. Three and three? Yes. Does it matter how you get the three and three? No, because I think I think it's hard to get to three and three with terrible quarterback play. Two Although two and four, I'm considering it. One and five, it's a definite. Zero oh and six, there's no chance. It doesn't I'm even not get to zero oh and six, probably. It's right, like correct. Zero oh and four, correct. but two and four is your magic number. Three and three at five hundred, it's not considered by you how they got there. It's really not okay. because I don't think it would be for Mike Tomlin. I really believe he judges the group on wins and losses. And if you find a way, you find a way. And so I think for him at three and three, they're still rolling with the veteran because in their mindset, they picked the guy who best gave them a chance to win. And they probably could convince themselves through some sort of mental gymnastics that they'd probably be two and four or one, one and five with Kenny Pickett in there. So I don't think they'd make the change. I would consider it me personally, if they were three and three, I don't think they will. What about you? I agree the threshold is more losses than wins after six games or so. And six games about the magic number for me when there's a recalibration. Under you the should know games. what you have through six games. Right. And I, that would be the recalibration point. But I agree with you. Two and four, yeah, maybe. The three and three, though, is interesting. It would be dependent on how they got there for me and also what happened in that sixth game and even in the fifth game. Did six and six happen, <laughs> or excuse me, did three and three happen after it was three and oh? Did three and three happen after it was oh and three? That's the other difference. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to get there. I will tell you this Mitch Trubisky has turned into a likable figure, somebody that a lot of people rooted for, somebody that a lot of people want to do well, to somebody who, and this is going to be grossly unfair to him. One incomplete pass, one bad series, one three and out. The people are going to be foaming at the mouth to want to bite his NFL career right out of Pittsburgh. It is, it's, he has more heat on him right now, ramped up in the last 10. The heat is ramped up in the last 10 days exponentially, 500 fold. If Mitch Trubisky can succeed under these circumstances, right? then that guy's shown me an awful lot because not only is this now your third stop in your NFL career and really your second chance, but you're doing so in Pittsburgh, which is a rabid fan base with the college hero quarterback right behind you. Who's played unbelievably well this preseason who everybody believes in because they've never seen him fail. Right. And so if Mitch Trubisky can get the job done and lead this team to a playoff berth while all that's on his shoulders, 
this guy can be a franchise quarterback again. You're not going to have a harder situation. Now, the supporting cast is pretty good with the offensive line being the notable and important exception. But if you can succeed under these circumstances, you're a dude. You're a dude. And I agree with you saying he's a likable figure, too. This isn't some jabroni coming in here like Devin Bush acting like he already done it. No, he understands where he is, and he makes it easy to root for him. And he makes it hard on me as a Steelers fan because one of these guys isn't going to get it done. He spent more time the past two weeks on the sideline with the backup quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger spent <laughs> in his in the last 30 games with the backup quarterback. Yes. I'm not kidding about you that. You are 100% right. And he could very easily, as he's essentially locked into a battle now, and I don't think a lot of people would blame him if he kind of like went about his business and said, I'm trying to win this. Not that we're not pals, but I'm going to go over here. You go over there. If you watch the sideline the last two, the two preseason games, he's offering a tutorial to Kenny Pickett. I think it says a whole hell of a lot about the guy. I think so, too. Uh, And he makes it easy to root for him, which makes it kind of hard as somebody who wants to see the Steelers do well because you don't want to see either of these guys fail. You want Kenny Pickett to take off and be a star because, of course. But at the same time, Mitch Trubisky, he's the guy standing in his way right now. And – Nobody said a bad word about him. Not anybody within the locker room, not anybody coming out of Chicago, none of the the people that we know that have covered the team throughout training camp, even Brooke Pryor, who covered Mitch Trubisky all the way back in North Carolina. So he's an easy guy to root for. And I think he's probably the perfect guy for this job right now, given that demeanor, which I do think is important, and then also the physical skill set given the offensive line. I think he could become Pittsburgh's most begrudging star um, in a very weird vortex that people, man, they almost don't want to root for him, but hell he's doing so well. I guess I got to, he Uh, could be, he could go there. There's such a sliding scale on him where if he's performing well, he's going to be embraced. I mean, look, Duck Hodges was embraced for like a three week span, but he He, had a finite endpoint. If Mitch Trubisky plays well, there's no finite endpoint. You're you're right about that. The endpoint would only come if he performs. If he's mediocre and the team's mediocre, people are going to call for his head. And real quick, he's going to turn into Mason Rudolph, where he's going to be trot down onto the field and the fans are going to be booing him. And you really don't want to see that. I've never seen a situation like this. I really haven't. It'd be so much easier if he was a jerk. It'd be so much easier. It would be if he was a jerk, not that I am trying to be anything other than honest whenever I turn a microphone on, but if he was a jerk, I think I'd be pushing a little bit harder today for Kenny Pickett to be the starter. I agree. I I am 100% with you. That's going to do it for segment one of episode 10 of Fourth Down of the Steel City. Up next, while there's a quarterback that might get booed in Pittsburgh, that's Mitch Trubisky. There's a guy who people are holding signs up for in Cleveland, or at least one guy, unless it's fake. We'll get to that coming up next, plus fighting in stadiums. Fourth down in the Steel City. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dunlap. Segment three, 
episode 10, fourth down in the Steel City. One preseason game to go. And Mark Robinson, that's right, we're going to go with a seventh round pick, was quite impressive on Saturday night, was he not, Colin? Certainly was. Brought the wood. He brought more wood in these two preseason games than seemingly Devin Bush has had in, uh, I don't know, his past 15 games or so. I think he he's a seventh round pick. And here's the thing now with the draft the way it is and Mike Tomlin turning a new leaf. And maybe this happened. This would never happen under Dick LeBeau, you know, and it never would happen. I don't think under Keith Butler all that much. The non-hesitancy to play young guys and guys that are especially young guys that are later drafted. You know, it happened with Norwood last year. Seventh round pick, bang. He starts, he's in the game right off the bat. And I mean, game's a consequence right off the bat. You know, it could happen with Robinson right off the bat. They put these guys in. The, the last one that I could really think of was um, Sean. Uh, Sean Davis. So Sean that Davis. year, it right. was it was Hargrave, Davis, and it was supposed to be Senquez Golson was going to be in the slot. They right. were going to play all three rookies from day one, plus Artie Burns. So they, I mean, they did play three rookies that So there, year. there has been an evolution. Like with Dick LeBeau, this guy would, and I'm not saying Dick LeBeau was a bad coach by any stretch, a Hall of Fame coach and a great coach. But a guy like Robinson would still be carrying other people's pads. Yes. That's just the way that it 100%. was. 100%. Now, if you see somebody that can play, um, you got to get play out of them. I really do think it's going to work as a perfect yo-yo and that he will ebb and flow in direct proportion to he will ebb in direct proportion to how Devin Bush flows. If Devin Bush Mm. plays bad and he dissipates his game does Robinson will get more of an opportunity. If Devin Bush continues to play well, Robinson's going to be the guy and that's fine that gets seasoning on the practice squad or maybe doesn't get a helmet, but he will get put in this football game in all football games, if Devin Bush has proven that he's not going to play. Because what he will do, too, as a thumper, he'll help you on special so he doesn't take up a he doesn't take up a game day roster spot where he's not doing anything. It's not like a, an, an extra receiver that's not going to do anything and just stand around and has to play in a special package. He's going to run down and knock the hell out of somebody on kickoff. He is. And I, I want to transition into another guy who's good on special teams but doesn't help the team at all and we'll do that in a second but I'll tell you what Miles Jack's good and I I was a little bit worried because he had a bad year last year I saw some people were circulating some of his clips from this weekend's game and you know you don't see it often with Steelers linebackers anymore he engaged a blocker got off a block made a tackle Later on, engages a blocker, gets off the blocker, dives around him, makes a tackle. When's the last time, Devin? It's almost like Devin Bush, once a body's on him, okay, I'm blocked. Like, you know what? Right. That's I. They got me. They rubbed me out of the play. Whereas Miles Jack, you block him. He's trying to shed the damn thing. He's going to be a massive difference maker this year in the run defense and I thought he was fine in the first game. I thought he was really good in a brief, in the brief time he was out there on Saturday night. All right, well, let's carry this all the way through then. Because you say the same thing with the quarterbacks, or you say the same thing positionally all over the field. If Miles Jack is this good, and I do believe, I, I, I definitely am on your same wavelength here, that he is that good, don't they, in a sense, owe him 
to flank him with the best player possible hmm. so as to not necessarily put the burden fully on him and allow him to just play. If he's constantly making up for Devin Bush's mistakes, then is he, are they really maximizing his talent if he can't play at a comfortability level? Now, I don't know if that is, you know, if that's playing Robinson. I don't know if that's playing, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Ulysses played, Gilbert. He, he, well, he's gone. Uh, they bought him out, right? Oh, that's right. Um, I don't know who it is. Marcus but, Allen. Right. But if it's – you owe it to him, if he's that good, to flank him with somebody, that's that's good. Yeah, and I've come around – Spillane, whomever. Yeah, I'm not a big Spillane believer, but at this point, by September 11th, Devin Bush ain't going to have figured out how to play football all of a sudden. I mean – I've I've been on team. Let him have as much time as possible because holy Christ, you really hope one of them light bulbs goes off. But I mean, I really don't believe it. And so I think on first and second down, you're going to see a lot of Miles Jack next to Roberts Blaine. And I think on third down, you're going to see one linebacker be in the game. Terrell Edmonds slide down into the box, and Demonte Casey, he's going to be your deep safety along with uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Not to get two X's and O's oriented here. But I do think that's what you're going to wind up seeing, and that's not a that's not a departure from Terrell Edmonds either. Uh, I just read an article a couple of days ago that he spent the second most time in the box. Hello, uh, as any safety in football did last year. So it's not. Let like, me know when you're done with this Merrill Hodge um, Edge show. Or yeah, what else you got? What what else? What else you want me to talk oh, about? X's and O's stuff. Are you going to draw it up for me? Oh, uh, listen, you need you're going to need to bring uh, Terrell Edmonds down into the box. KZ cover two. Yeah, I remember that show with Merrill Hodge that what was it called? Edge something. It was sponsored. It was by- NFL matchup. NFL matchup with ha- with uh, Merrill Hodge and yeah. um and Josh. That's what I said eleven times. Merrill Hodge. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So was that a good or a bad show? I wasn't gonna watch it. It was a good show if you were a football like X's and O's gotta have it chalkboard guy, right? Yes. It was not if you weren't if you didn't want an hour or half hour of that. That's the second time where I went kind of geek today. I, I was talking about yeah. inside receivers earlier and moving guys around. How about Merrill Hodge, by the way? Let's have a talk about Merrill Hodge. He sat in a. He serrated... won't remember it anyway after we're done with it. Well, here's uh, on that note. He sat in a studio with me one time and sat in there, and he had a good discussion about the Steelers or whatever. And then he wanted to talk about a book or a speech or something that he was talking about. So I brought it up and he spent, and I just went silent. I let him have his piece. He spent a good between nine and 12 minutes trying to convince me with this well thought out theory, whatever, that concussions, they simply don't exist. Mm-hmm. It is something that is fictitious. It's made up by the doctors. It's sort of a money grab and all this kind of stuff. And that, all these people commissioned by all these big hospitals, Cedar Sinai, UPMC, whatever, you know, Baptist hospital in this place and that place, all these people are in on it together. And it's just one big sham. So I let, I mean, I, I let them go. I just let them make, you know, it's, it's not my job to, you know, you believe what you believe. I believe what I believe, but, it was like I entered bizarro world considering the 
highly skilled and knowledgeable medical professionals who, you know, this wasn't like a political thing. And it wasn't like built on opinions where he had some conspiracy theory out the other side about something. It was just a concussions aren't a thing. Mm -hmm. They, they don't, they're totally fictitious. It was top three most bizarre conversations in the history of the world. And it happened on live radio. Yeah. I had one of those with him too. And (laughs) when he walked away, I just, I, I mean, I made sure he was out of earshot and I said, all right, don't know about any of that. Yeah. Merrill Hodge. And I found him to be a nice man. I do. Very nice man. Merrill Hodge. A tiny, a tiny bit out there. A little tiny bit out there. Well, he, you said when he was outside of an earshot, whatever, as soon as he left the studio, I turned to the producer and I said, don't ever have him on again. Oh yeah. That's on never, the air. Yeah. On the air. Um, it was just. Oh, you said that on the air. Oh yeah. <laughs> Why not? It was a. T- it, it it was again. I it felt like it was. I was waiting for him to say live from New York. Right. It's Saturday night. LOL, JK. Yes. So anyhow. Do you hear my wife getting in the shower upstairs? Because the the pipes, the pipes down here, I can hear them filling with water. I'm sure the microphone's picking it up. And if not, well, now everyone knows when my wife is showering. Said she was doing the dishes or. Oh, yeah. yeah, She was filling the, 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 you know. My wife is naked upstairs. I know. Now you have people. This theater of the mind now. It is. This is big time stuff. It is. Everyone paused, pause 10 seconds for my wife identification here on the fourth down in the steel city uh, pipes. network <laughs> uh, pipes do they be? <laughs> quickly here to wrap things up. So we get the subject off my wife, yeah. uh, Benny Snell, Benny Snell, three carries negative two yards. Colin, I've seen enough. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think the Steelers coaching staff has they will they will keep him around they will come up with some lame brain excuse about how he covers kicks well he's a good special teamer teamer he plays teams and he is far and above anybody else and this was an issue though i will give them i will nod to them some this kept um james connor kind of in limbo for his first year or so they will talk they will talk about how the young guys can't figure out the blitz pickups and how, especially with a new quarterback being infused, it's going to be ultra important to have somebody understand the terminology and have somebody kind of be a veteran and know all the blitz picks up pickups being a running back just isn't about running the football. No, I mean, that's for sure. And when Jalen Warren's better, Jalen Warren's a better runner. And I think he's a better pass catcher than he, than Benny Snell is, but there is value in our line sucks in from a Steelers perspective the Steelers offensive line sucks and you might have to protect your franchise whether that you do have to protect your franchise whether that's Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett so there is value to me though your offense is going to flow through Najee Harris this year and if Najee Harris gets hurt and Benny Snell is the guy you plug in you don't have a chance if you plug in, and I've only seen him a little bit, but I watched him in college a lot last year, Jalen Warren, at least he can do the things that Najee Harris does, but from a poor man's standpoint, you can use him in the passing game. 
he's got some burst in some wiggle. Whereas Benny Snell, we saw in that pitch play to the right, I realized that play got blown up, but my God, just zero burst, zero acceleration. To me, Benny Snell, I think he might still be on my team. He's definitely not the second running back for me. I think Benny Snell football is best played in Saskatchewan. Yeah, I think ultimately that's what's going to happen. From Kentucky to Saskatchewan, from Milan to Minsk. What's that from? That's from Seinfeld. Rochelle, Rochelle. Certainly. All right, Colin. Well, that's another episode in the books. What do you say we get the people ready on Friday for the finale of the Steelers preseason? Who's going to start a quarterback? How long are they going to play? Oh, my God. You know who the Steelers could use real quick before we get out of here to help their offensive line woes? This gentry, if he got healthy, that could really help them. Yeah, man. Because he could be a glorified tackle on the edge. Well, and you know you know what they could do, too? And Joe Haig is in concussion protocol. That's why he didn't play this weekend, because you and I were talking about that earlier in the day. I don't know where Joe Haig is. What happened to Joe Haig? You know the old Zach Banner tackle eligible kind of thing? You might need to play with six offensive linemen at times this year. Although, Did you call Zach Banner right now? I will. I personally will call Zach Banner right now. Maybe he'll come on the podcast on Friday. How about that? Let's see it. All right, Friday podcast. Let's go. You, me, and that cricket that I hear, that's probably right behind you. Until then. On my shoulder. Jiminy. Goodbye.